Good morning. Good morning. And happy New Year. Right? Jewish New Year, 5784 since the creation of the world. So only a few billion years off. <laughs> but, uh, you know, can't take these guys literally. Their, their math was not their strong point. But today, or yesterday, was Rosh Hashanah, Jewish New Year. Today is the second day of Rosh Hashanah because they could never really figure out which day was really Rosh Hashanah, so they said, oh, let's make it two days just in case we're off. <laughs> so if you're on the liberal end of the Jewish spectrum, you, you know, oh, now we really have accurate calendars, so we know which day it was. It was yesterday, so today I can be here. <laughs> Not that I was anywhere else yesterday. It wasn't like <laughs> I went to synagogue, but... I did observe the holiday in my own way. I was talking to my, my rabbi friends, you know, where, what are you teaching, what are you doing for the holidays? And they're all working on their sermons, and you know, what are you doing? Well, I'm gonna be at the Unitarian Church. <laughs> and I'm gonna be giving a talk on Yom Kippur, specifically on the, it's not a prayer, it's sort of a declaration called Kol Nidre, which happens next weekend on Sunday. And my approach is, that you know, when you have the flags up here, you might as well learn something about the different religions to see if they have anything to offer us, uh, or, or those, those of us who are not associated with any of these specific religions that we've got waving here. So what can you all get from uh, Kol Nidre that might be of value to you? And that's really what I want to talk to you about. So Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, was yesterday, but there's a, a sort of a prelude to it. It's a month-long getting ready for Rosh Hashanah. And that's called slichot. It means, sorry, excuse me, forgive me. And you spend a month, so this is the, the idea, you spend a month going around to everybody you know and asking them for forgiveness. Now, this tradition happens, or you know, was created when you lived in a small community. What, what's it called? A, a Dunbar? The, when you only had like 150 acquaintances. Was that a Dunbar community? Dunbar circle? Somebody came up with this number that you can only have 150 people in your circle. After that, you really don't know these people. So when you have 6,000 Facebook friends, <laughs> you don't. There's 150 people you know and the rest are Russians. <laughs> So in those days, the ancient, you know, medieval times, you knew the people in your village, and you went, and you would go to them and say, this is the formula, and you would say to them, if I've hurt you in any way, knowingly or unknowingly, advertently or inadvertently, I ask for your forgiveness. And the other person is supposed to say, I forgive you. And then they would say it to you, and you're supposed to say, you forgive them. If they don't forgive you, you're supposed to ask them three times, not in a row, but you're supposed to give them three opportunities to forgive you. And if it looks like they're not going to do it, you can bring some pressure to bear. You can bring other people with you and say, come on, forgive. You can bring rabbis with you. You can you know, try to up the ante. I think in the New Testament, 
Jesus is asked, you know, how often should we forgive? And uh, I think he says seven times 70. I don't know if I have the number right. Jews say three. <laughs> right? I mean, Jesus was a Jew, but he was a little extreme. So we say three. And then according to the Jewish tradition, if the person doesn't forgive you after three times, then God intervenes, God forgives you, and takes the, the weight of guilt that the other person wouldn't take off of your shoulders and dumps it on the other person's shoulders. <laughs> so there's another incentive to forgive. But you have this month-long period where we're supposed to go around and ask for forgiveness. Then comes Rosh Hashanah, and then you've got the, the week between Rosh Hashanah, which was yesterday, to uh, uh, Yom Kippur, which starts Sunday night. So in that period of time, you have to really think about, wait, did I hit everybody and ask for their forgiveness? Because it's your last chance to, to make sure you ask for forgiveness. So I thought we would start this morning by turning to people around you, and I'll give you the formula, and you could ask one another for forgiveness. You're not Jewish necessarily, but you probably did screw up anyway. <laughs> so turn to somebody and say to them, literally, this is not you know, rhetorical, so turn to somebody and say to them, if I've hurt you in any way, Knowingly or unknowingly, <laughs> advertently or inadvertently, I ask for your forgiveness. And if you need uh, some pressure two more times, let me know. <laughs> we'll double up on them. All right, so let's assume everyone's been forgiven. So, we're going to go to, we're going to come eventually to Sunday night and this weird thing that we do before we do anything else in a Jewish service on Sunday night, which is called Kol Nidre. Kol means all, Nidre means vows. And I'm going to give you the, and we're going to go into it together, I'm going to give you the text of it in a minute. But basically it says, anything I vowed to do since last Kol Nidre, since last New Year, and I didn't do it, it doesn't count. <laughs> now, when this was created in the sixth century, it was created for a specific kind of vow. The Jews who created it were under tremendous pressure at the risk of their lives to convert, depending where they lived, to convert to either Islam or Christianity at the risk of death. You either converted or you died. And so many of them converted. I mean, I don't know what you would do, but if someone said to me, you know, become a Catholic or die, I would say, you know, I would become a Catholic. <laughs> I mean, it's not that, that confusing, you know? you know? So a lot of them did. But they didn't really mean it. They just did it to live. And then if the times changed and they could go back and be Jews again, they wanted to go back and be Jews again. In some cases, uh, they were living in Spain and Portugal, and they managed to escape and they went to Amsterdam, where the, the Dutch Christians were much 
less concerned about Jews converting and, and they allowed Jews to have freedom of religion and they would rejoin the Jewish community but they had converted to Catholicism uh, they needed some way to be reintegrated into the Jewish community as Jews and not Catholics. So some scholars say it was created specifically for them. And it was a way of saying, oh yes, I converted, but my fingers were crossed. <laughs> but of course, crossing your fingers is a Christian thing, so that didn't really count. <laughs> but the idea was, I didn't mean they didn't mean it. So they created this, uh, again, it's not a prayer, it's an, a declaration that any vow I was forced to take on the pain of death, and I took it, doesn't count when the pain of death is removed. It was under coercion, and it doesn't count. I mean, you follow that? So you'd think that when the situation changed, they would get rid of that declaration. And some rabbis tried to get rid of it right up until the 20th century. But there was something about it that the people liked. <laughs> and they said, no, we, we want to keep saying this, even though nobody was forcing them to convert. There's something about it, something psychological about it, that they liked. And so they kept it. In most synagogues on Sunday night, it'll be chanted. And the people will, they won't know what it says. I mean, it'll be in their prayer books in English. It's chanted in Hebrew and Aramaic. It's a mix. It's a legalistic formula. It's very arcane because it's from the sixth century. But it's somehow, it makes people feel better. It makes you know, the Jews feel better. So they kept it. So what I want to do is I'm going to give you the text in English. And then I want to go into it with you in, in, in conversation and see what See why it might be helpful and how we might understand it in the 21st century in a way that could be helpful to everybody. And then leave it to you on Sunday night to take a minute and say, I could use this. And come up with your own wording and, and maybe start, um, it's almost October, I don't, I don't know what's the date, but anyway, it's almost October to start fall with a kind of freedom, hiccups, <laughs> little guys got hiccups, <laughs> to start fall with a kind of uh, freshness that this declaration might contain. So here's, here are the words. Oh, one other thing. The original text was, any vow I took from this Yom Kippur, from last Yom Kippur to this Yom Kippur, null and void. Then someone came up with the idea of saying, no, 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 it should be from this Yom Kippur to next Yom Kippur, null and void. And then they would argue, because they're Jews. And so then the solution was, oh, just put both in there. So any uh, vow I made from last Yom Kippur to this Yom Kippur and to next Yom Kippur, <laughs> a lot of people use this um, as a slur against Jews, because they're saying you can't trust Jews. It's, you know, oh, if they promise something, they've already said that they're not going to keep it. But it's about um, things that happen under coercion. It's not, you know, if, if I promise to, you know, do X, unless you've got a gun to my head, you know, I'm, I have to be held uh, responsible for what I promise. But here's the text in English. All vows 
prohibitions, oaths, consecrations, and similar promises that we may vow, swear, consecrate, or, and this is a key line, prohibit upon ourselves. When I come back to what does that mean to prohibit upon ourselves? All vows, prohibitions, oaths, consecrations, and similar promises that we may vow, swear, consecrate, or prohibit upon ourselves from the previous day of atonement until this day of atonement and from this day of atonement until the next day of atonement that we take upon ourselves for our benefit, not to be killed, basically, for our benefit. Regarding all of them, we repudiate them. Just to be clear, all of them are undone, abandoned, canceled, null and void, not in force, and not in effect. <laughs> I mean, these are lawyers. Right? <laughs> They're rabbis. And if that's not clear, <laughs> one more time, our vows are no longer vows, and our bro prohibitions are no longer prohibitions, and our oaths are no longer oaths. Then it ends with this. May all the people of Israel be forgiven for all those things they were coerced to do. But not just the people of Israel, meaning all Jews. So may all the people of Israel be forgiven. And all the strangers who live among us, meaning all the non-Jewish people who live among us, because all people can be prone to making promises under coercion. So anybody who's coerced into saying, oh yeah, I promise, and then want to get out of that, all of them are freed from those kinds of promises. That's the declaration that starts the most sacred day of the Jewish year. So why, since we're no longer forced into conversion, why does that still speak to people? So here's my take. And then, well, actually, let me not tell you what I think. Let me, let me let's go back to, to the, let, let's, let's see what you think first. Because you talk back, which we'll do later, you can see how it applies to your personal life. But why might this be soothing, comforting to people? Um, so let's, let's just pick up one of these, because this one really interested me in particular. Um, and I'm, I think I'm deliberately misreading it, because it just says, uh, all vows, prohibitions, oaths, blah, 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 that you vow, swear, consecrate, or prohibit upon yourself. So in the one super uh, uh, surface reading, it just says in modern English, any vow that I took upon myself. But when rabbis look at texts, we look at them what's called hyper-literally to make them say things they didn't actually say. So if you read this in, in a hyper-literary way, the prohibition is on ourselves. We prohibited ourselves from something. So one way to read that is I'm, this is just a, a metaphor but I'm sort of this expansive being, and I've put limits on myself. 
I've prohibited myself from being myself for whatever reason. And I'm once a year coming, trying, I've got to think of what they are. But I've got to think, wait, here's where I've put, um, not blinders, but barriers or I've, I've handcuffed myself or, or whatever it is. But I've, I've taken my, my potential and in order to fit in, in order to get by, in order to whatever, I've denied my potential. I've restricted my potential. I've you know, reduced myself. And I'm saying, I don't have to do that. And I'm going to be myself. I've prohibited myself from being myself. And I don't, whatever vow I took that did that, I'm free. So in my own mind, uh, and when I used to do this with my congregation, when I had one, I used to use the example of um, weight loss. Right? And I, I still do this. So I got on the scale yesterday, and I wrote down what it was, and then I said, okay, I'm going to lose you know, X number of pounds by the next Rosh Hashanah. You know, that's, I set this goal, which I'm never going to keep, because <laughs> I have it down from last Rosh Hashanah in my phone, and I didn't work for this Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> so I've set myself up for failure, and I only know that because I've done it for 50 years. So, so all the evidence says that, yeah, I've, 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 I'm putting this guilt on me from the very beginning of the year that I must weigh X when in fact I weigh Y. And I weigh Y not from some magical thing. It's not because the devil makes me weigh Y. I weigh Y because I eat X amount of food and I exercise only so many, burn only so many calories. It's just math, right? If you consume X amount of calories and you burn Y amount of calories, that's going to tell you how much you weigh. So I could eat less, but I just never do that. I can, I, I, you know, it's like you eat X and you um, exercise Y, that's gonna make a difference. You could lower this one, but I, I get confused and I lower this one. <laughs> this one seems to be constant or goes up, but the one that should go up, I make it go down. So my weight doesn't seem to, to change in the right direction. So, then I'm always surprised the next Rosh Hashanah. But luckily there's Yom Kippur and I go, ah, forget that one. <laughs> but, but I keep doing it over and over again. So you set yourself up for guilt. And what, what I'm suggesting Kol Nidre is saying to you is, saying to us is, look to see where you're setting yourself up for guilt. And then free yourself from it in advance. Even if you do it. So like, I know I did it. I mean, I, I wrote it down again. Oh, this is what I weigh. But I also, at the same time, said, but I know I'm not going to do it. So don't worry about it. I, I wrote it down, but I'm not really going to pay too much, of too much attention to it. Can you do that? Can you allow yourself to be the crazy self that says, oh, I should do X, and at the same time to be the sane self who says, but really, that pressure has never worked before, so I'm really not going to um, penalize myself 
for having the crazy voice. I'm also the same voice who's going to say, oh, crazy voice, you're just the crazy voice. I'm not going to get all bent out of shape because I have that crazy. You, you follow what I'm saying? You allow the crazy voice, but you also allow the sane voice, and you sort of live more with the sane voice than the crazy voice. That, to me, is the modern interpretation of Kol Nidre, which no rabbi in the, <laughs> is going to use next Sunday night. But that, to me, is the real meaning of, of Kol Nidre, which is why, and I'll end with this, in my own synagogue, this is how I would, this is how I, uh, this is my version of the English. All vows, oaths, and beliefs, and people would be reading this together. All vows, oaths, and beliefs made or held by me during the past year and rooted in understandings of reality I now know to be false and misleading, sort of like what Kitty was saying, are undone, abandoned, canceled, null and void, from this Yom Kippur until the next, I will do my best to continually free myself from all notions that inhibit me from being a blessing to all the families of the earth. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, uh, Abraham and Sarah, the first Jews, are called to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So I use that as the mission statement of the Jews. But I think it's also uh, sort of humanity. So I thought, you know, we started with forgiving one another. I thought maybe I would read this to you and you would recite it if you want, and then that's how you would start the new year. Uh, <laughs> we've got a runaway baby. He's leaving. Bye-bye. <laughs> mom's out there. Oh, mom's out there? Oh, there she is. Okay. I, thought, I thought he was going to the Presbyterians. But then he could, a year later, go, no, that was a mistake. <laughs> he would come back to the same people. OK. So I'm going to read this to you. You can recite it back to me if you want to. And we will be watching you, though. So. <laughs> All vows, oaths, and beliefs. All vows, oaths, and beliefs. Made or held by me. Made or held by me. During the past year. During the past year. And rooted in understandings of reality. And rooted in understandings of reality. That I now know to be false and misleading. That I now know to be false and misleading. Are undone. Are undone. Abandoned. Abandoned. Canceled. Canceled. Null and void. Null and void. From this Yom Kippur until the next. From this Yom Kippur until the next. I will, do my best I will do my best to continually free myself, to continually free myself from, all notions that inhibit me from all notions that inhibit me from being a blessing to all the families of the earth. From being a blessing to all the families of the earth. So mote it be. So mote it be. <laughs> 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 <laughs>